Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome back to another edition of Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Tim O'Malley here with Tim Priester, Pete Sampson on vacation, uh, scouting three stars in an undisclosed location for a little while, getting some well-deserved rest. And speaking of rest, Tim, back uh, from travels with the Irish during the NCAA tournament. We're going to hit on that, obviously. It was a great run. I think you, you, the run really brought Notre Dame basketball fans kind of back into it. Um, it's what it takes in the NCAA tournament time is when people, these casual fans of every sport, Every team tend to focus a little bit more. Of course, we have a lot of football news. Notre Dame had been off for Easter break. They're back at it uh, as of yesterday. But uh, I think we should start with real games and what was uh, probably the most impressive of the two runs of the last two years, considering our expectations. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, this is not as good of a basketball team as, as last year with the loss of Grant and Condon, and yet they eventually developed their own identity. Didn't finish the regular season playing particularly well, uh, but... You know, there's a lot to be said for uh, NCAA tournament experience, and they have it now, and they believe that they should be. They absolutely believe now, and this is how quickly this has happened, they absolutely believe they should be playing the second weekend of the NCAA tournament, and that's a that's a great start. If you can consistently get to the Sweet 16, uh, I wouldn't say it's all gravy at that point because you've now had two shots at the Final Four and couldn't come up uh, you know, with a victory, but you, know, you run into a Kentucky last yeah. year and a North Carolina this year, and obviously... North Carolina is a machine right now, but you know it, it's a great run, and and I and I think that uh, you know that's one of the fun things about covering something like that because you see and feel the the uh, the emotion and the confidence building with a program, and and that that was a- absolutely clear in in Brooklyn, and and it was clear again this past weekend in Philadelphia that they believed that they were going to get there, and they just they just came up a little bit short against a team that's really really playing well, and just. To circle back to their confidence and expectations, was it mid-January where the two of us and Pete were sitting here just railing on them? Why aren't they more confident? Why did they not carry over last year? Well, they carried it over when it mattered. Yeah, they they, did. They built to it. Uh, VJ Beecham, I think there was one point during the end of the year where I turned around to you guys on press row and thought, why does VJ Beecham have just free reign? He's never, he started 29 games. We couldn't believe VJ Beecham was the one guy you don't pull out. Well... He was also one of the five best players in the NCAA tournament to date, so I, I think it worked yeah, out look, well. He, I mean, he looks like a first-team All-ACC yeah. net going into next year. He's not he, just a shooter anymore. No, he, he really, and that's a great thing. And he talked about that before we all went to Philadelphia, that, you know, somebody asked him, well, why are you, uh, you know, why are you suddenly playing so well and putting up numbers? And he said, because I'm not playing against the same guys in the ACC that I have for the last 18, 20 games. Now the advantage he had was he added the 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 penetration yeah. game. He was way better. Yeah. Oh yeah. He was a I different mean, basketball player. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then you know, like that baseline uh, drive and jam against North Carolina was the pictures that you see of it are just fantastic, and that just shows the growth that he's made. And you know, you're happy for a kid like that because yeah. he's, he's kind of quiet and, yeah. and and a little bit shy, and and it took a while for all of that to come out. Uh, you know, in him, you ask. 
like in mid-January, and you're right, mm. we were talking about, I mean, they were one and two starting in the conference. Why isn't this team further developed? Because they didn't have a personality specifically like Pat Connaughton right. to right. pull that out in everybody else. And I don't know that that was necessarily Jaron Grant's personality, but he was a first-round draft well, choice he, talent. He, that was his personality. Right, exactly. <laughs> and at six foot five, what he could do penetrating and dishing and distributing, remember how what a great passer he was and how he made the other players on the court better. It took a while. You know, a, a Demetrius Jackson, who played like a lottery pick the other night, he's not a demonstrative personality. He's like Beecham, shy, and it takes it's, it, it's more difficult for his personality to come out. And it just took a while for that all to develop. Yeah, and you, you mentioned it. I think... There's a reason Connaughton and Grant shared the MVP last year because you couldn't separate them. No. I know Jaron Grant was the best or second best player in the country. Pat Connaughton was exactly as important to that team's run last year, and it did take a long time to come out. But it, it, they peaked at the right time. It's funny they peaked. They got lost by thirty in the ACC semifinals, but then they peaked. So you know, maybe we don't need to overanalyze. Yeah, the, uh, ACC well, tournament and, and that's why forward. sometimes we place too much importance on a conference tournament as we evaluate teams going into the NCAA tournament. Whereas last year, I think that was crucial to Notre Dame's identity. I think it gave well, them Well, because confidence. they hadn't been there before. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Now, going going forward, you know, like, well, look at Duke last year. I mean, right. they lose to Notre Dame in the ACC tournament, and then they just plow yeah. through and win a national title. So, I mean, lots of good stuff. I mean, some of the, you know, I didn't. A lot of us didn't even realize that Bray injured his calf during the Wisconsin game. So we're we're walking toward the locker room after the game, and I, I, it's like a double take. Bray is walking towards us, and he's limping, and he's got an ice pack on his calf. What the heck is going on? He said he thought he tore his Achilles originally, which would have required immediate surgery. Yeah, and, he went, and then he was debating about boot or no boot, but his mobility in the boot was so good without it, he would have really been hurting. So, did, did you see pregame when Roy Williams limped up to him? Oh, no, I didn't see that. I didn't see that. Good stuff. Roy Williams, is, Roy Williams is really a class act. And, man, I mean, give him a lot of credit. His team is just playing brilliant basketball. Every person they put on the court can yeah. score at any time. I mean, most teams have role players Every guy on that that comes on that court can score for them in a multitude of ways. It's interesting. They kind of won me over because I've covered them so much, and now you've covered them in person two more, two extra yeah. times, too. I, I know that team second most in the country. I think I'm I know. Just rooting for North Carolina yeah. at this point because I know all their players. But one question we really kind of have to get to about Notre Dame, of course, will not be answered until May. Demetrius Jackson, we both thought there's a chance he would stay um, going into the tournament. I think maybe in... December, that was not a possibility for many Notre yeah, Dame fans. It's kind of ebbed and flowed. Yeah, and of course he played himself, and he, he looked like a lottery pick in the NCAA tournament. Now, it's important to note that how you play in the NCAA tournament doesn't necessarily make you a lottery pick in the NBA scouts' eyes. I think there's a bigger disconnect between NBA talent evaluators and your actual production on a basketball court in college, it, even more so than in football. They, they Production is not as big of a deal, but right. this guy, as you wrote, I think you put on our message board, he's going to test great too. He's going to test great, and he's peaking right now. I mean, he just he just played a brilliant game against a great, great yes. basketball team, and he's going to test brilliantly. We can sit here and say, well, is he going to do this or isn't he going to do this? Well, he is going to experience that combine, yeah. and he's going to be going up against the best players in, best amateur players in the world right now, 
So, I mean, what's about to transpire, we can't evaluate till he goes through it. And I think he's he is going to test well. He's going to have a vertical jump right. that yeah. approaches, what, 40 inches that probably? Appro- I mean, Pat Connaughton's record? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I mean, exactly. And then, I, you know, I mean, I don't know. Uh, do they do bench press? I don't know if they do it the same way that football does he it should. or not. But yeah, he should just do it. He's obviously volunteer to do it. But obviously he's going to, he's going to test strength-wise very well. So, you know, I, I thought Bray handled it beautifully after the game. He said, look, I, I, my job isn't to make a pitch and to recruit right, him. My right. job is to help him make a, a, an educated decision. And, look, I've known I've known Demetrius since he was a freshman in high school, very quiet kid then. I talked to him about playing baseball with Mary, and he shot that down real quickly. Uh, and, uh, and you know, he I mean. He, he could have stolen some bases for you maybe. Oh, there. good <laughs> Lord. Yeah, we could have we could have made him a centerpiece yeah. in that lineup. But. You know, I, I mean, I, I, I think, you know, I think there's a, a part of him, the NBA and the whole life of the NBA and everything right. that goes with that. I mean, they make a ton of money, obviously, but sure. it's a rough life. And I don't know, you know, I mean, I think that's concerning to him, no doubt about it. I think that he feels committed to the class that he's with, yes, with, with Beecham and Bastori. Yeah. There's no doubt about that. It, it, I mean, this is just the kind of kid that he is. He... He feels he owes something to Mike Bray in Notre Dame. He right. he he feels that now. He's also yeah. he's got a few he's got a future in the NBA, and he realizes that the iron's hot right now. So let's just see how it all transpires with the camp. But he's going to test well. There's no doubt about and it. I think he has an open mind to coming back, and I think he knows that. And Mike Bray knows if he is projected as a high lottery pick, like lottery pick goes it goes to sixteen. Now is that yeah, right? Yeah, I think fourteen, so. sixteen. Yeah. That's different than if you were like, Seventh. this is the second yeah. point guard to right. take, and the NBA is a guard league now. I do agree with you that he believes unfinished business exists in South Bend, yes. but sometimes it's just taking care of your family, extended family and everything, it, and, he, and he may have to. It may just be a business decision you have to make. Yeah. He'll get his degree. He's going to be one year removed from it. It's not like he's a freshman. I mean, he's one year removed at the end of this process. It would be interesting if Zach August were had another year as well. That that would then, you know, really put shine a different light on that decision. It'd but, be interesting if Thon Maker would just decide to come to Notre Dame prior to. Yeah, but, yeah. you know, he's he's yeah. a great player. He's also thin and going to get pushed around a little yeah, bit on but the next level guys, initially. Freshmen, freshmen end up doing pretty well. That when not all of them, I'm saying, but like a, a high level freshman can Brent, go into like, college like Brandon Ingram. Like Brandon Ingram can go into college basketball. You're absolutely right. So. It, it'll be interesting. I, I I will certainly try to. I know the I know his foster family, and and uh, I'll certainly be trying to uh, initiate some dialogue with them. You know as to what his decision is going to be because he's still. I can't just call Demetrius now like we can when a football player is right. done with his right, right. with his eligibility. But I'll work. I'll work. Try to work through. Um, you know the the foster family a little bit and see what we can find out. But he's you know I mean he's really a great kid and. Um, you know, as somebody that uh, he he went to the same high school and same college I did, I'm really well, proud of the right, and you <laughs> yeah, as well. Yeah. I'm, I'm sorry. Um, yeah, I'm really proud of the way he represents yeah. my alma maters. Yeah. No, no, he's. I mean, he he willed victory. He almost he didn't almost will victory. He he willed them back into the North Carolina game. He he stole literally the Wisconsin game. Yeah, it was yeah. It, it was a great run for him. It, it could be more. Um, well, and Stephen F. Austin too, because he scored. Right, he scored he, four yes. points he, before uh, Luger's tip. He's tip-tip. the reason they kept playing. He's the best yeah. player on the team. He's one of the. This is the last to just last little to wrap it up on Demetrius Jackson. About five years ago, I sat down with Coach Bray and we did a quick uh, the All Bray team over ten years. Well, now it's time 
for the uh, extended 15 yeah. year version. Yeah. Two players that have graduated, or two players of the last two years are going on that, and they're in the starting lineup. Jaren, yeah. Jaron Grant, Demetrius Jackson. No doubt about no it. No doubt. All right, let's get into a little bit of football, which uh, I'll turn over to you a little yeah, bit because I've been gone for a while, although they, they have been as well uh, with the Easter break. The quarterback situation. W- at least from afar, it sounds like it's heating up a little bit when, when you take into consideration some of the comments being made back and forth in in interviews with with these two guys. I find it refreshing. I know Jack did as well that uh, Deshaun Kaiser refers to it as his room, and he has great guys alongside him. I don't think it's an accident he uses those words, but I don't think it's pointed at Malik Zaire or anything like that. I just think he believes it's his job. He said, I believe I am Notre Dame's quarterback. This is my life. I answer questions. I go out and throw to elite receivers. I thought it was well broken down for the yeah. spring. Look, that has nothing to do with winning the competition, but... His interview game just keeps getting stronger yeah, and stronger, Yeah, he is man. the number one. If it's down to interviews, he's the number one interview. He could, he could, when he used the word wants, W-O-N-T, correctly, I had to like look it up twice to verify it. He did it. It was perfect. So, no, interview game is strong, and I, and I believe... Look, their name is blessed at quarterback going into this year. If you're, a college, if you're a college football coach, remember the middle linebacker was a good problem to have last year with Niles Morgan and Jarrett Grace and Joe Schmidt? Yeah. This is a good problem to have. You have... Star quarterback ability. It is as long yeah. as it's not disruptive. It which, problem, which, yeah. yeah, I mean, because that's the one position where it can be disruptive, and you'd love to be able to say, and I've argued it, I've written it, you know, make the argument for being able to use two quarterbacks. It's hard, but, but it it's just happened. doesn't. It just it's doesn't. Happened, but... it, it does. It just doesn't seem to work. I mean, on the surface, the one area where it would appear to be helpful is red zone. You know, because yeah, of what yeah. you can do with Malik Zaire. Having said that, Kaiser's only been through it one time and probably figures, look, I'm going to get better as a red zone quarterback. So, I, man, I you know, I mean, my my vibes on this are this is a this is going to be kind of tough because of the you personalities, the right guy, especially because <laughs> yeah. of Zaire, because there's no way he's going to be content being number two. No, and I don't blame him as a senior. I sure. think the, we're going to get a lot of people. I think we'll write in right away and say Tebow and Leak won a title. Tebow's a freshman. That's why that works. Yeah, and that's the if Tebow was a returning starter with Lee, it, it, it's the exact extreme, yeah, exactly. uh, you know, exception to the rule. Yeah, if he was a junior, it wasn't be, wouldn't be the same dynamic. Right. That, and that, that's what you're looking right. at here a little bit. But we have five months to uh, talk about every aspect of the quarterback competition. See, that's why I told <laughs> you going in the spring, man. I don't the quarterback thing. Yeah. I, you know, it's going to be there, and nothing's going to be decided. I guess now we're getting a few different aspects to it. How about an early enrollee safety run with the ones? Over yeah, that's twenty three game that, starter. That's impressive, yeah. and you know Devin Stud still. I mean, when we evaluate on him on film, and he was listed as a three star. Yeah. I mean, that's not a three star talent. I know everybody can't be listed as a four right. star, right. and his size is a little bit limiting uh, from a safety position. But uh, you watch a kid run around the field, and I've only had a chance to see him do that once, and, and seen a little bit of film, um, you know, with him on the spring practice field. But he is a natural and smooth and. Um, I don't think there's any other way to interpret it other than another uh, a sign or, or, or throwing out there to Max Redfield that uh, you're not cutting it, man. Do you want that sign at this point? Wouldn't you? Prefer- well, you don't want no, it. No, it is what it is. It's, it's I mean, worse. It's worse that there's that sign. Why does he need to be prodded? He's coming off of a suspension. What now does- he does have an ankle injury. This is not a heavily publicized thing. He he's playing through. It's early spring and he's got a, a bulky ankle. So that can get your reps. But the way Brian Kelly presented it, of course, let me put it this way. If Austin Collinsworth had a bulky ankle. He would have mentioned it. He would have mentioned it when he was talking about studs still running with the ones. That's right. the best way of saying it. Right. I mean, it's it, So it is a message. And you got to hope a 23-game start. If they Listen, they need Max Redfield to be good next year, right? Or pretty good. Yeah, unless a freshman can just walk right into the lineup and be a <sighs> yeah. top-level player. Look, 
How well does Devin Studd still have to play in order to play more effectively than Max Redfield? No, probably no. <laughs> not that. No, no, that's true. But he would certainly have to show really well in practice with the call of the defense back there and, and, and that part. Of, I mean, is he is he a cross between Jeff Burris and Bobby Taylor? Because that's what you need, right, <laughs> to start as a freshman safety at this level. Wow, he start throwing that's, on yeah. Like <laughs> I mean, that. Think, think about that though. Like, I, you, I don't know. You, I, need I, to, you need to be special to start and guide that defense. No doubt. But all I know is everything I saw of him in high school was impressive, yeah. and everything that we've seen of him at Notre Dame in this early going has been impressive as well. So, I think one more kind of. Pete wrote a story about the offensive line taking shape. We know, we think we know what the left side is going to look like, and that's from center over. Looks like they do want Sam Mustafer to win this job. That, and, that shouldn't be under, under, underestimated. underestimated. Man, if Sam Mustafer has clearly won that job, that's, that's yeah. really, really important to them. Now, the right side opens up a lot for many reasons. Bars has been running with the twos, but that is direct relation to his surgery, his October surgery for the broken sure. foot. And he'll be either a starting clearly right guard. Clearly he's a starter, yeah, no starting doubt right guard it. or right tackle, but that's where it's interesting. Do they? Is it going to be four guys in a row that they're relying on and wondering about the tackle and Hunter Biven? Are you going to be putting in a guy like Colin McGovern because he's technically sound with, with bars outside? Is Tristan Hodge your next best interior lineman? He was running with the ones. Now McGovern had a concussion. But Hodge was running with the ones at right guard in the last practice we saw. I, you know that Harry Heastan likes bulk on those mm-hmm. three interior positions. And then if you look at at the size of Hodge and what he's listed at, like 6'4", 300, you think, oh, okay. He just doesn't... He doesn't, he doesn't seem like no, he does not. No. he does not seem like he's a big physical guy. So Like Nick Barton at the old man size. You know, looks yeah. like he was 28. Yeah, there, yeah, Hodge absolutely. Like and Hodge, yeah. yeah, and Hodge is young, yeah. and, and, and he has four years of eligibility yeah. for crying out loud, so he's in the early stages. But I will say this about Hodge. I think... And I don't know, I mean, we don't, none of us really know a lot about him and what he's been doing on the practice field, but I think that there's a degree of toughness there that they really like. And so yeah. if he wins the guard job, look, Colin McGovern, who I've been saying, well, he's the guy that, I mean, I like, I've liked him and, he's and solid, as a backup, a but, a but I, yeah, I mean, yeah. he is like a, a quote career backup. He's right. the guy that you want to be able to rotate in, not for five, six games at a time yeah, as a starter, but a guy that. that can come and, and, and fill in. And so he's banged up a little bit, so it's it's preventing him anyway. But it's interesting. It's coming together. I think it's a real positive that Mustafer's there and Bars is at least healthy enough to run and do a lot of the things, and you, it, he's progressing, and you know he's definitely a starter. And we should circle back because especially for subscribers, McKelty Williams gone, will not be with the program. Um, that's a safety depth situation more than a direct hit at Notre Dame. We liked him last year, but he has. there's a reason I think his name hasn't been mentioned by the staff in a long time. They saw this coming. Is it just once August rolls around and you have a 3D back at safety, is it minimal? Or because no one's proven. I mean, when Drew Tranquil's your most proven guy out there and he's coming off two ACLs, that's that's a difficult yeah, and situation. Yeah, and, and safety, for as effectively as he has played, it wasn't at safety right. per right. se, you know, so... You know, I don't know. I mean, it's still very uncertain back there. Avery Sebastian, what, what, what's the situation can stay, there? Yeah, can he stay healthy? He's he yeah. just had a. I, mean, I know someone at Cal once told me Avery Sebastian, if there were no such thing as injuries, would be a heck of a player. <laughs> but they, I mean, he it's it's kind of like was it Alvin Miller that uh, our old colleague Lou Simogi oh, likes to say yeah, that yeah. he would see astroturf and then his knee would snap. And Great speed, yeah. long uh, boy. But there yeah, are a lot of Notre Dame fans listening. I remember Alvin <laughs> Miller, but I mean, he was uh, in the in the early '80s, long and really could run, but never could stay. Can't stay healthy. So yeah. that'll be Sebastian's first goal, as I would think, to make it through September. Well, healthy. speaking of health, Corey Robinson has suffered another. Uh, concussion and it starts to make you wonder with all the outside interests that he has yeah. 
and now a pattern with the concussions of how many? Well, it's three in a calendar year because he had yeah. one last March. He had one against Stanford, and now he has one now. And then what did he have in his first two years? I've been trying to find it. It's, it's hard to go back and find those August camp concussions for freshmen and stuff like that. But, I mean, I don't want to overreact. And Brian Kelly said I'm, he's not looking to overreact to these. Not, didn't want to overreact or underreact to concussions. But with a guy like Corey Robinson, I think he's going to question more. If he gets another one in August, yeah, he. That's really when you really going to. Start. I don't think he's probably now, questioning it now. But another one in August, then you start thinking, I have a life after this, a really good one. Yeah, no doubt about yeah. it. Now, let, now let me say this: if every football player that's had three concussions stopped playing football, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have a sport. To watch. We would, we wouldn't have a sport. I mean, we report we say he's had two concussions. We have no idea how oh, many oh, concussions. That's what I mean. Yeah, and. I'll, let me just say this: talking to a former Notre Dame football player, I mean, um, talking about there were I had this many reported, but I had way more than sure, that. Sure. I mean, yeah, it's that's just the reality of of, uh, of football. They don't they don't t- they don't talk about all the dings and concussions no. that they get along the way. But Corey so. Robinson isn't every college football player. Either. No, you have to go back to that. No, you're absolutely yeah, you're absolutely yeah. right. I mean, he's got bigger fish to fry, and and uh, and God bless him because. Isn't that great in this day and yeah. age? Yes. Uh, yeah. I mean, he's a true student athlete in, in every sense of the word. Probably more student than athlete, right. actually. So, um, yeah. So we hope that works out for him. Yeah. And yeah, I think he, I, I don't think he's. We're overreacting probably now, but it's just something to think about in the yeah. future. You don't want a guy like that to. Yeah. Uh, Do we to want to talk it. about pro day in this segment, or should we just let spill over the next segment? Yeah, I think we can. I mean, I think it's what we're all looking. At. You and I will be at pro day with Jack, yep. and uh, obviously the names that people are going to want to hear about, of course, are. Hey, Everett Golson's going to be there throwing the ball around. Wow. Yeah, that's. I know you don't. I'll, I'll, I'll interview yeah, I Everett. I you won't can be talking to Everett Golson. <laughs> yeah, I'll interview Everett. Well, actually, I will. In th- theoretically, I'll interview Everett. It probably won't happen. Uh, but Kavari <laughs> Russell obviously um, has been kind of mentioning that you know he's all the way back, uh, ready to test after the broken tibia and playing through some injuries last year. Um, Jalen Smith, of course, will be someone we need to talk to and about his recovery. But as you mentioned, when we sat down. Will Fuller, CJ Procise, some of the best uh, prospects. What do they need to? Proof. I mean, Will Fuller shouldn't go anywhere near the track, right? No, <laughs> absolutely, absolutely not. I mean, I don't. Uh, did process go through some? Uh, did he go through all the agility? I don't think he no, went through all the agility all stuff. Bit. So he has to do yeah. that. Ronnie Stanley has to go through some of the agility stuff, and and Greg Gabriel, who we've used as our source for a, a great source for us in in preparation for the draft, talked about uh, is it the the Conklin kid from Michigan yeah. State. Yeah, you know, on some boards has moved ahead of Ronnie Stanley because he's such a brute. He's such a physical football player. So Ronnie Stanley has some. He's not going to be able to prove it physically, but he has some agility mm-hmm. things that I think he has to to test in. Chris uh, Brown has to run the forty. He, that's a big. We kind of forget and about that, that. Yeah, that's yeah. A bit, and that's a really really big big one for him if he's into like. You know he should run for for four three, years, for four years. Nine, we've been or, about it. Yeah, so he I know. It I know. Uh, I mean, he could probably afford to go. As quote slow as four point four two, you know. Yeah, but I mean, though, he yeah, be part of his game. That, that's a that's a that's a big one for him. And and obviously, Kavari, as you mentioned, I mean, he's got he has everything in the world to prove now, yeah. running wise. So you know, it's it, uh, pro days are interesting. Some are boring, like last year. I shouldn't even say boring. Some are just. I mean, there's not a lot of activity yeah. like last year and this year. Just off the chart, and then you throw in the extra dimension of, of Everett Golson coming back. Which, by the way, if Everett Golson wants to come back and test in Notre Dame, and Notre Dame lives up to what they stand for—that you know you're you're one of ours, even though you transferred, you got your degree from here—he absolutely should have the yes. opportunity yeah. 
to do it, and I'm glad. And I'm glad that he is. It's just an interesting side note going into that day. Fifty throws. That's usually what it is. Live throws. I'll give you the over under for uh, completed passes. Forty eight and a half. <laughs> he's accurate. Yeah. <laughs> there's there's no doubt he's accurate. Boston was forty eight to fifty. Forty eight and a half is pretty high. I think Ever Golson feels nerves a little uh, bit okay. more yeah, than a yeah. than a then Jimmy Clausen. Yeah, yeah. So I'd set it at. 46 and a All half, right, we'll but he's going to, he'll be accurate. There's no, there's no wagering allowed in yeah. this tale, but I, okay. I will take the over. On okay. Here, All right. Okay. All right. Well, we'll over. be, we'll yeah. be back for a segment two with questions from our readers. <laughs> segment two of Irish Illustrated Insider is our burning up the board segment. And we have a question from C. John and it is basketball related after two elite eight appearances in as many years, I have a sense that this program has achieved a level that will be difficult to sustain. There's no one remotely close to August and Jackson remaining. Do you believe that Mike Bray and his staff can build on the success of the past two years and attract more talent? They definitely need to attract elite talent like Demetrius Jackson every once in a while because that's mm-hmm. why these runs happen. You have Jaron Grant, Demetrius Jackson. Zach August developed into this player. Right. And he became. He was a quality. He was a Whatever, whatever that means in basketball, he's a four-star talent coming out, but that's because he was 6'10 and could run and jump. But now, the word here is sustained. Yeah. There, guess how many teams were in the Elite Eight back-to-back years? Notre Dame. Just Notre Dame. So I don't think that you're going to always be going to the Elite Eight and, and challenging for the Final Four, but I think that they do sustain success in that they're an NCAA tournament team next year, even if things break poorly for this roster, which means no Jackson, no impact, fifth-year transfer, no maker. John Mooney is a guy that can come in and play. As you mentioned before, T.J. Gibbs is going to be a good point guard from the jump. He's not Demetrius Jackson, but the other top 30 teams are going to lose 75 players, too. And 60 of them are leaving early that you don't even see on the roster at this point. So this success, now sustaining it, Elite Eight, you need a Jackson, you need a Grant. Otherwise, you're just making a miracle run. I think Beecham, Vestoria, Colson, guys stepping up like Fluger, Ryan... Farrell, and then we, we're going to get into talk about some other guys, the new guys. That's a team that goes to the NCAA tournament. That's not Elite Eight. You need something else to happen for Elite Eight. No, but you can you can get to the Sweet 16, yeah. which I think is that that's the first goal, of course, is make the tournament. This team will make the tournament next year. They will make the tournament. Secondly, I think they can get to the Sweet 16 next year, but it's dependent upon a, a lot of the guys that you mentioned. I'm telling you, folks, if you don't know about T.J. Gibbs, he's not a Demetrius Jackson athlete, but in terms of well-rounded shooting point guard that can also penetrate, distribute, score around the bucket with either hand, T.J. Gibbs is an impact freshman coming into the program next year. And for, Se- go ahead, I'm sorry. Well, secondly, the the one guy that you you mentioned, John Mooney, uh, we we you know we we laugh about Martin Gebbin, but we consistently hear about what he's doing in practice and how well he's playing. And then the guy that you didn't mention that they're very high on as long as they can get him healthy is Elijah Burns, yeah, yeah. who's a six foot nine, powerfully built young kid who had uh, micro fracture knee surgery. So that's, that's a concern, but that's a talented player that if he's healthy, he's in the mix and a contributing big man next year. And that surgery was last April, so he's about to be a year removed from right. it. And then the season they were course, extremely cautious with yeah. him, and I think they did absolutely the right thing with him. And getting to Gibbon, and I know that people are just going to find this absolutely ridiculous because we've had to talk. We've talked about it amongst ourselves. First of all, Rod Balanus told you that Gibbon has been coming on in He practice. said the last three weeks as impressive as anybody in practice. And which is 
shocking to hear if you're a Notre Dame basketball fan or if you're us. Because we have right. talked about how Gebbin last year, he showed up out of shape and he couldn't function in a basketball game last year. I have a f- someone that saw two practices this year. And this player person knows as much about basketball as anybody listening or sitting here. Best backup by far. So best blue team member by far at both of them was Martin Gebbin. And he was talking about his physicality and his play rebounding above the rim and protecting shots. Which seems like I'm making stuff up just to make stuff up for a podcast. But look, it's in line with what Bolanis is saying as well. If they get Martin Gebbin to be a solid player... And Elijah Burns is a solid player. And John Mooney is a solid freshman. Right, you're right. already all set. Now it, you're looking at the gravy of, of course. They're, they're going to do it in different. It's not sure. going to be, you know, Zach August, 35 minutes or yeah, that kind yeah. of guy. It, it, they're going to, they're, they'll do it in waves. And, and as long as you get the same amount of production, 15 points, 12 rebounds or whatever he was giving you from that group, that's all that matters. Yes. Plus it's a, it's a better way to do it. You get more, more guys involved. A fifth-year transfer, you know great. that he's lo- he, yes, that they're yeah, looking yeah. for that. Uh, that would almost, I mean, for short term, that at least you're you're getting a man like Mike Bray likes to have men on the court. You would be getting a, a man. So, look, this program is on solid footing. You're absolutely right. Uh, you know, you you need you need a Jaron Grant, Demetrius Jackson, yeah, first round draft choices. Final four is all about right. Those guys, absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, I'm really encouraged. Beecham is is playing great. I'd like to see Vastoria get stronger so he can sustain throughout the entire season. Rex Fluger is that type of long. Uh, uh, Jogo, Do, the other freshman coming in, uh, who's a six foot seven shooter. Yeah, yeah. And I mean Matt Ryan is going to develop into a, into a more. Oh, absolutely! He'll 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 be he'll be a quality three point shooter. Matt Farrell is a competent guy that can come in and run your offense. Now, it might be the most important thing if Demetrius Jackson leaves that Matt Farrell has become a player that will contribute next year because that was not the case whether Jackson stayed or left with Gibbs coming in. I just a quick point, last point on Gibbs. We love watching Demetrius Jackson be the running back that puts his head down and no one in the world can stop. That's not the only way you score in basketball. So Gibbs is a different point guard. The whole can be greater than the sum of its Gibbs parts. Gibbs is a shooter. Yeah, You're going to yeah, like yeah, the yeah. way he shoots. Uh, Z Ballenbacker, most impressive job at Notre Dame. Swarbrick, Jack Swarbrick, Brian Kelly, Muffet McGraw, or Mike Bray? Cool question. Uh, I mean, this is impossible. That's not a question that could be answered. All right, well, Swarbrick, fi- okay, finish, finish, finish <laughs> the rest of the question. Well, right, well Muffet is a uh, Hall of Famer tomorrow. Jack Swarbrick is probably the most successful athletic director in the recent years of modern college sports, right? The ACC is an amazing coup for Notre Dame basketball and that he kept them independent yeah. and playing. Yeah, amazing. I mean, Mike Bray is the one or two best coaches in college basketball the last two seasons. And prior to that, he was two-time Big East Coach of the Year and one-time National Coach of the Year. And Brian Kelly has brought – Brian Kelly has two – one great and one very good year in the last four. And he has the hardest job by far. Yeah, he definitely so that's has tough. Hard job oh. by far. It's a good question, but it's apples and oranges. It's apples and oranges and grapes and pears, yeah. as we said before <laughs> we went on. You can't. I mean, we can't compare. The, I mean, Swarbrick's an administrator. His job is yeah. completely different. What he pulled off with the in getting into the ACC was absolutely magnificent. Muffin McGraw, you're absolutely right, Hall of Fame coach. But her job is a lot easier than Mike Bray's oh, because of the it. level of yes. competition. I've always said women's basketball. Okay, women's basketball is where 
you, you know, men's basketball was in the 60s and 70s. You have a handful of halves. Your UCLA is Connecticut, you know, women's right. basketball yeah. now. Uh, oh, just, you're exactly right. Just completely it's, different. Okay, we're moving on. My my fault. T.C. Nelson, <laughs> what kind of relationship do you see between coaches Bray and Kelly? Do you see some of them supporting each other's programs through attendance at games, assisting with player recruitment, et cetera? Michigan State seems to take full benefit of their collaborative effort between their, their two coaches. Coach Kelly's always at a game. It's kind of hard for him to attend too many Notre Dame games because he's full-time until mid-February. And the basketball season's winding. Then he takes a one-week vacation, like he should, and then he's at a game in late February, early March. I think if you if you want to see any interaction, I know that Bray used not used Bray invited David Robinson to be involved in some of the recruiting pitches when he's on campus, which is a great idea. Um, clearly, that's gonna you know resonate with with any especially maybe get him involved with Thon Maker a little bit. Coming yeah, that the, would help. <laughs> for, that would definitely. Yeah, so help. I think in that way. I mean, I know, I know. That. I mean, I think, I think it's cordial. Uh, I think, yeah, I they're think, not intertwined in any way. I think both guys have so much on their yeah. plate that yeah. it's hard for them to be concerned about the other. And I think the only time, the only chance either one could really, get, as I said, Kelly can watch Notre Dame play some basketball in late February. That's about it. And spring practice starts tuning up, and, and Mike Bray can watch some September football, and then he's in full go. Right. It's so they're not intertwined. I don't know that Dantoni. I didn't know that Dantonio and Izzo are that intertwined. I thought, yeah, that's an interesting uh, dynamic. But well, and Bray obviously has his finger on the pulse of the quarterback situation in Notre Dame too. <laughs> yeah, that was probably one of the better jokes at my expense of uh, my professional life. But <laughs> I'm glad he got to use it on his team. Yeah. Though. That's good. Yeah. I'm glad I could provide him some material for that one. But we'll move on on the next question. Hair of the Irish. Tight end was a big part of Notre Dame's offense. Was last season's lack of production injury-related or a sign that it is less important to Mike Sanford? Um, that's a good question. I think it remains to be seen how important it is to Mike Sanford. But I think it had, I think as it pertained to last year, it had more to do with Durham Smythe, who clearly was your number one most well-rounded uh, you know, tight end, uh, suffering an injury early in the season. And Elise Jones you know, being young and not being in a position to be a physical blocker and developing as the season went on. Nick Wisher not being fully He was a wide receiver when developed. He right, he was right. Literally a wide receiver right. in high school. And then, yeah. you know, Chase Hounschel and, and Tyler Luatua more limited in what they could do. I thought Luatua was inconsistent as a yeah. blocker last year and Hounschel really got better as the year went on, but there were limitations. So I think a lot of it had to I think more of it had to do with the more evidence that we have is that they just had tight ends that weren't developing the best, most well-rounded one of them was injured right from the start of the season. And I think it was personnel-related the other way, too. Will Fuller, Chris Brown, Torrey Hunter, and Amir Carlisle are better weapons to have out there than a second tight end. Yes. Even than a first tight end. That's, I mean, you have to have a tight end yeah. in Brian Kelly's offense. But now, this year, healthy Durham Smythe, Alizé Jones in his second year, Nick Wishner's third year, I would think you would see, and with young receivers, it's a, it's an, it's a, we like the receiving core, <clears> but it is a Look, it's a hundred percent unproven wide receiver core right now. Torrey Hunter's the only guy. Yeah, it absolutely it it absolutely is. I, I, you know, I think you can use Elze Jones like a yeah a wide receiver. Exactly. I mean that that's the kind of talent he has, and and I I still contend that Durham. I you know I I, re- I like Durham Smythe's future, but the fact that Elze Jones is such a quality receiver at the tight end position that it's going to compromise mm-hmm. Durham Smythe's numbers uh, sure, overall. Sure. Uh, but whatever, that's a that's a they have a good situation going on there. All right, Jack, is that it? We got it. We got it wrapped up. We managed to pull it off without the Samson here. Uh, I am Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley, and we will be back on next Tuesday. We've got an open practice to observe a little bit of it anyway on Friday. 
we have uh, Pro Day on Thursday. And then uh, the NCAA tournament will wrap up on uh, on Monday, and we'll probably have some comments on how impressive North Carolina remained <laughs> through the championship game. Although, I do like Villanova a lot, too, and they're playing great basketball as well. So, I'm Tim Priester with Tim O'Malley, and you've been listening to Irish Illustrated Insider, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. <laughs>